Good morning again. As we go to the, the Word of the Lord, as we have uh, made it a practice to do, let's, uh, let's go over this verse a few times. And we'll, we'll take some words out after the first, cup, the first time, and then we'll, we'll take some more out after the second time. But this is, uh, if you'll recall, you know, we, we began back in January with a focus on the Word of God, that all Scripture is inspired by God, is profitable to us, and in uh, Psalm 119, we said that your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. And, and that's what this is about, treasuring it up in our hearts, that we would memorize it, that we would think about it, and that it would, it would become part of our breathing, you might say. And I think this, this verse is just such an important thing that we could remind ourselves of so many times in life, uh, driving dealing with work issues, dealing with family issues, dealing with personal issues, just cease striving sometimes. Uh, so let's say this together again. Psalm 46, verse 10. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. All right, let's do this again. Ooh, we got some words gone. Let's say this again. Psalm 46, 10. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. All right, we'll take away some, of the, some more of them. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? One last time. Say the, the reference and then the verse with me. Psalm 46, 10. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And, uh, and our title this morning is Cease. And I don't know about you, that word looks funny to me. I guess because I'm wanting to see it with an R and decrease. But cease. Uh, some translations say, be still. And I think even though this psalm isn't necessarily about salvation and it's not about our response to John 3.16 as it was written, I think for us as we are going through this series, this is a very good response to John 3.16 and 17. We began, remember back at the very beginning of the month with Micah 6.8, He has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? We know in our hearts... We know through nature, we know what is good and what we are supposed to do. But as we saw in Isaiah 53, 6, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. And because of that, God has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Jesus. And so we see that in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Because He has sent His Son into the world, because all of our iniquity has been placed on His Son, because we have all gone astray, what should we do? And I, I think the very first thing is cease striving. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Cease striving. Be still. 
some translations say. Uh, going off of the old, uh, the old story about what do you do if you find yourself in a hole, what's the first thing you got to do? Stop digging, right? If, you're, if you find yourself digging a hole and you want to get out of the hole, what's the first thing we got to do? Stop digging. Don't try digging a different direction. Don't double your effort. Some people, you know, they, they see that they're going the wrong direction and they just try to go there all the faster, thinking this will get me out of here. If you're in a hole, stop digging. And the same thing is true for us in our lives. Going astray, going the, the way we have gone, knowing that our ways are wicked, our ways are, uh, are the things that cause the iniquity fall on Jesus, stop going those ways. Cease striving. That, that's the, the first thing we've got to do from the, with the story of Jesus on the cross and, and God's love for us that He has sent and given us His only Son, that whoever believes in Him, the, the first thing we need to do is whatever we have been doing, however we've been going, to stop. Quit trying to do it yourself. Whatever it might be. You know, and, and th- this, this applies to uh, salvation. The first thing we've got to do, and what everybody that has believed in Jesus has done, at some point, has, they've accepted that they're going the wrong direction. And they quit going that direction. That's what repentance means. To turn away from what we were doing and to turn towards what He would have us do. But this can, this can uh, apply in many other ways. The, the psalm is written predominantly in the context of nations going to war with one another. And to a certain extent, they need to stop their focus on themselves, their focus on their own intelligence, their focus on their own plans. To cease striving means for us to quit trying to do it Yourself. Quit trying to, to do it in your own ways. Are we Okay, we're not. Because I was looking back here, I was thinking maybe my screen back there wasn't working. So it's working. Okay, good. I was worried that we had another technical problem. All right, so, so we need to quit trying to do it yourself. And, and this can apply to salvation. This can apply to being righteous. I mean, a lot of times what people do is they think, well, I need to be good enough for God to love me. That's doing it yourself. It can be, I'm I'm going to do these things for God. Sometimes it can be even, how can I be the person that God would love? I I want to do the things that God would be happy to see. But we're doing it in our own power. And what this psalm, what this verse tells us, cease striving. Quit trying to do it yourself. Stop. Cease. Cease striving and know that I am God. We are not God. He is God. Quit trying to do it yourself and trust in Him. I think of an illustration of this as a lifeguard. If you're in the water and if you're in distress and you're having trouble and the lifeguard comes, one of the things that we need to do if we're going down and if we need help and if we need somebody to rescue us is to quit trying. And that, that can be difficult. That can be hard. 
but one of the greatest struggles for a lifeguard as they're going to try to save somebody is that person starts fighting the lifeguard. They want to keep doing it on their own. They're trying to swim on their own, and they can cause both to go down. So a lifeguard has to be very careful, and one of the things that we can do if we are in the position of needing to be rescued is when that rescue comes, we got to stop. You know, I, I even think of back when uh, the hurricane, you know, Katrina came through New Orleans and, and Louisiana, and you had people up on their rooftops, and the boats were coming. You know, nobody likes to be the person sitting on their roof waiting for somebody. We all want to be the guy or the gal in the boat who comes and rescues people. Nobody wants to be the one who has to leave their home and get off the roof and get into somebody else's boat because you're passive. You're, you're being helped. You're not the one helping. You have to just kind of go along. Can you imagine somebody who has been sitting on their roof and they say, hey, it's okay, I'll take the throttle now. No, that's not your boat. You're being rescued. You're being saved. You have to cease striving and let the people who have come to help you help you. The ridiculousness of trying to tell firefighters how you're going to put out your house's fire. No, you got to sit back and just watch. That's what we have to do. We have to cease striving. Quit trying to do it yourself. And, and this, this, this instruction to cease, to quit, it, it is in the context, like I said, of, of war, of battle. The whole psalm is a, a focus on God being our refuge. Let's just go ahead. It's, it's 11 verses. Let's just go through and get the context of this real quick. In verse 1 of chapter 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Salah. So, so the imagery, you've got to remember Jerusalem and, and a lot of Judea is in the mountainous terrain. And mountains were viewed as a place of strength. I look up to the hills, where does my help come from? So, so you could feel very secure if you're in a city that's in the mountains. Whereas the ocean, the sea... That is a place of chaos. That is a place of danger. That is a place where you are in trouble. Even on a calm day, if your boat's got a leak, you're in trouble. Whereas if you're on the land and your wagon loses a wheel, you're not doing so bad. But you lose something at sea and you're really in trouble. And so the sea is viewed as chaos. That's why at the very beginning of the Bible, that the, the, the Spirit of the Lord hovers across the surface of the deep. Prior to God's ordering of creation, it is pictured as chaos. That's why at the very end, when the new heavens and the new earth show up, the new earth has no sea. Because there is no longer that chaos. There is no longer that destruction. Everything is perfectly ordered. And the psalmist here is saying, even though the mountains would slip into the heart of the sea, even though its waters roar and foam and the mountains would quake at its swelling pride, we're going to trust in the Lord. And then the imagery, the water imagery in verse 4, turns from the sea to a river. There is a river 
whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. She will not fall or be toppled. God will help her when morning dawns. When the sun comes up, God will be her help. He'll, and the idea there is, is that He'll take her through the night. He will protect her and she will see a rising sun again. Verse 6, the nations made an uproar, much like the waters roar and foam. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. That word is the same word that was in verse 5 for how she, the, the city of God, will not be moved. The nations, the kingdoms, tottered. They moved. They fell. He raised His voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So the imagery here is that in, in the midst of all the struggles of the world, Jerusalem has a river of peace. It has God in its midst. It won't fall. It won't be tottered. And, and by extension, the people of Jerusalem. Even though the nations will make an uproar, their kingdoms are going to totter. God raises His voice and the whole earth will melt. And then in verse 8, we are told, Come, behold the works of the Lord of Yahweh, who has wrought desolations in the earth. And that, that's always puzzled me when, it, when we're talking about His works, desolations. And the very next thing is that He makes wars to cease. But, but He creates these desolations. What's that about? That word desolations, it is connected throughout Scripture. It means a horror. It means terror. But it's connected throughout the Old Testament with the people of God being disobedient. And it's a punishment. It's a judgment on the people of God that if the Israelites don't follow God, if they don't listen to His voice, if they go their own way, then He will make them a desolation. So the desolations that God makes are, in, in essence, the judgments against the world for not believing in Him, not following Him, not glorifying Him. Not just Israel, but all the nations will fall. And so verse 9, He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. These are all things that people would trust in. The chariot was massive and uh, just dominant on the battlefield at this time. He, he breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in two. These are the things that you would trust in going into war. There were times when the Israelites didn't even have but two swords between them. And Saul had one and Jonathan had the other one. And all they had elsewise were slingshots and arrows if they were lucky enough. But God, He makes wars to cease. He breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. So therefore, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. The imagery there is that, look, as we face the battles in the world, as we have struggles that come to us, and we see this throughout the Old Testament in the Kings, First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, what do we see? We see kings that are faced with external problems, these dangers, these other kingdoms trying to attack them. 
And what do they do? They either do one of two things. They either rely upon God and trust in Him, or they go looking for other kingdoms, other alliances that they can make. They go looking for more soldiers, more weapons, more force to try to overcome the power that's before them. And God's word constantly through the prophets to the kings is stop looking for your salvation elsewhere. Rest in me. And so they can go looking for the chariots. And there's even times when God says, look, you're, you're trusting in horses. You're trusting in chariots. Those things won't save you. And that's, that's pretty much the same thing as cease striving. Now, this doesn't mean that the people of Israel never went to war. David went and killed Goliath with a stone that he threw out of his sling. But the difference between that and the rest of the army was the other, the rest of the army was trying to figure out how are we going to deal with this problem? What's Saul going to do? And Saul was thinking, what am I going to do about this problem? And David, what was his focus? His focus was on God. His focus was on God's glory. His focus was on the fact that this army represented the living God. And who was this uncircumcised Philistine to boast in the face of the army of the living God? I'll go kill him. Not because David said, I'm so great. Not because David said, I'm a fierce warrior. David said, I'll go kill him because I believe in God and he is boasting against my living God. It wasn't David's trust in David. It was David's trust in the Lord. And when he talked to Saul about it, and Saul said, well, you're just a boy. He said, look, I've been tending my dad's sheep, and the, sometime the lion would come or the bear would come, and it would, take a lion, it would take a lamb, and I would go and I would kill it. And I would take the lamb back out of its mouth. And the Lord who protected me from the lion and the bear will protect me from this giant. His focus was not on himself. His focus was on God. And there are lots of times when the Lord sends the people of Israel into battle and they fight and they have to struggle, but the focus is on their hope in Him. That's the difference. That the cease striving isn't just, oh, just quit doing everything. No. It's quit trying to do it yourself. Quit trying to focus it on your own ways. This, this word for cease in verse 10 there, cease striving, striving is just added. Uh, in my Bible, it's italics, which it's italicized, which means that it, it wasn't there originally. It really is a word that means to sink, to wax, like you know, the, to go down, to relax at times, to lower yourself. It's the the picture of the sun going down. Yeah. Sit down. Quit quit being full of yourself and just get down. Whereas the word for God, when he says, I will be exalted, that word for exalted, it means to lift up. It, it means to uh, be haughty at times. So, so the picture is, is God saying, look, just sit down. I'm going to be lifted up. We can't lift ourselves up and we can't be exalted. No, we need to humble ourselves. We need to rest and he will be exalted. And, and the call to cease striving and know that I am God, it, it, you know, there is a God, and one of the things we all have to learn at some point in our lives is we are not Him. There is a God, we're not Him. Cease striving and know that I am God means that we need to 
trust God. That's what the good kings in Israel did. They trusted him. They might have had gone to war, but they trusted God. That's what David did. Even though he was a mighty warrior, he trusted God. Not his own abilities, but God. And we see the difference even in David's life. In the early part of his life, he trusted God. What did he do later on? He took a census. In the latter part of his life, he took a census to see how strong he was in his army. We might think a census isn't such a bad thing, but God took offense. Because God knew it was coming from a heart attitude of how strong am I in myself, not my hope is in the Lord. That's what he is saying here. In the midst of all the the troubles of life and the troubles of the world, we must cease striving and know. And that word know, we, we saw it a few weeks ago. It means to acknowledge, to be aware. Not just head knowledge, but acknowledge him. Know that he is God. And if we say he is God, then why won't we trust him? If we know that he is God and that he loves us, that he sent his son to die on the cross for us, why don't we trust him? Cease striving. Know that I am God. Trust God. Very much in the same way with the the lifeguard. You know, if a lifeguard comes out, you have to place your trust in them. You have to stop fighting on your own. You have to rest in them. That's what we have to do. The same thing can happen. You know, my car breaks down. I'm not going to fix it on the side of the road. I, I, I couldn't back when I... You know, when, when people could. Now they're so crazy and confusing, hardly anybody can repair them in that way. The tow truck driver comes by, I, I have to cease striving and get in and just let him do his job. I have to trust him that he'll take me to where I need to go and that he'll provide for me. Trust. No, I don't, I don't take over the truck. I don't start trying to put my car on it. No, i got to trust. And notice what God says here in verse 10. If we if we cease striving, if we quit trying to do it ourselves, if we trust God, he says, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in in the earth. And and really what what he's saying by among the nations and in the earth, it's the idea of among the people but also on the land. It's just a a way of saying the same thing twice in a way. But, But it gives it power. It's a poetic kind of way to give it power. Just like when we say amen and amen, we really mean it. We're not just saying amen once. He's going to be exalted. And I think this is a key thing that we've got to recognize. He doesn't say, I want to be exalted. He doesn't say, I may be exalted. I will be exalted. I am not going to get away from being exalted. Like Jesus said when he was coming into Jerusalem and the, the Pharisees and the priests were saying, Tell the people to be quiet. And he said, if they stop screaming, the rocks will cry out. God will be exalted. He so happens to choose to exalt himself in ways we wouldn't do it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's how he is exalted. Right prior to that, Jesus said, as as Moses lifted the the serpent on the staff in the, in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that he might draw all people to himself. That's how he is exalted in those ways. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God is looking for his glory in our lives. Even through the struggles that we have. And, and 
Often the way He gets to that glory is when we, when we see striving. Particularly, God displays His glory by saving us. Just as He does with Jesus on the cross. It seems to be God's particular desire to display His glory by saving us. We see this uh, pictured in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Just before, I don't have the, the verse for 13 up on the slides there, but uh, the people are grumbling, and they're saying, isn't this why we said we should never have left Egypt? Isn't this why you know, the, the Egyptians are coming, they're bearing down on the Israelites, the Israelites are backed up to the Red Sea, they have nowhere to go, and they're complaining to Moses about, see, this is why we said we never should have left. And Moses, his response in verse 13, Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. The Lord will fight for you. How often a prophet has come and told the people of Israel, the Lord will fight for you. The Israelites, they're just terrified of the Egyptians coming. What does Moses say? Stand by. You don't get to do anything. You just get to stand there and watch. God is going to deliver you. His salvation will be for you. You just keep quiet. And you just wait and watch what God's going to do. And these, these Egyptians that you see here today, you're never going to see them again. At that time, he hadn't done anything. At that time, he didn't tell them how he was going to do it. He just told them to stand by. In a lot of ways, that's what, that's what we need in our lives. To stand by. To cease striving. Know that He is God. He will be exalted. And, and, and He's going to be exalted with or without us. But it's a whole lot better with us, if you ask me personally. It, it's a whole lot better to be part of what is being saved. And to stand by and to watch Him working in our lives and for us. He is going to be exalted. And, and, and just going back to the lifeguard just one last time, I've never seen in a TV show or movie when you have you know, your lifeguards going out, and I was raised you know, back in the 90s when, when lifeguards were on TV every week. They never praised the person who was brought out of the water. Never know, nobody ever says, you did a great job of, of suffering and struggling in your swimming. No, what happens? Everybody praises the rescuer. Good job. What a great thing you've done. And the rescuer, he might turn to that person and in privacy say, thanks for not fighting me. But the glory goes to the lifeguard. The glory does not go to the one who is rescued. They get life. They get, they get saved. That's, that's, that's good enough if you ask me. But the lifeguard's going to get that glory. And the same way, God is going to be glorified. He is going to be exalted. He is going to be lifted up. And the, what he calls on us to do is to to lower ourselves, to cease striving. Quit, quit trying to make it all about us. What we can do, what we can make happen. No, instead, cease striving and know that I am God. 
whatever you might be dealing with today. With health, with money, with family, with jobs, with school. There are a lot of problems. And, and we see, especially, it's very upsetting when you hear about students, kids, children who, uh, because of bullying or because of the uh, way people think about them, that they feel like they have no hope. And they're trying to figure out, how do I take care of things? They don't share with anybody. And then you, you hear that they've taken some drastic, terrible, fatal action. And you just want to say, stop. Know that he is God. Cease striving. Stop wrestling with it. Stop struggling with it. Trust in him. And that, that, that goes for so many areas of our lives. And it can be so tough because we don't see the end. We don't see the salvation. We don't see how he's going to provide. We don't see how he is going to bring us through. You know, when, when you're 16, you, you can't see that in three years, all of that's going to be gone. All of that's going to be nothing. No, it's everything. We just can't see the end sometimes. When you're in a bad position and you don't know where the, the next uh, bill is going to be paid from, you, sometimes we just don't know. We just can't see. And God doesn't tell us he's going to give us all the information. He doesn't say, let me show you. No, he says, trust in me. Trust me. Believe me. Hope in me. I will be exalted. Cease striving. Know that I am God. Know that I am in charge of the whole world. Know that nothing is happening outside of my knowledge and that I have sovereignty over your life. Trust me. I'm going to be exalted through this. I'm going to be exalted in your life. I'm going to be exalted in the things that are going on in the world. If God is in your midst, you will not be tottered. You will not fall. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. It doesn't matter how the nations rage. One word. He just needs to raise his voice and the earth will melt. One of the greatest pictures of this Psalm 46.10, I think, is the disciples and Jesus in the boat when Jesus is asleep. They're rowing hard and there's a storm raging all around them. And what's Jesus doing? He's asleep in the bottom of the boat. And the disciples, they come to him and they say, Jesus, don't you care? We're drowning. We're dying. We're being swamped. We're being destroyed. Don't you care? What does he say? He just stands up and he speaks to the wind and the waves and he says, peace, be still. And then he looks to the disciples. He's like, why do you have no faith? Peace, be still. Cease striving. If God is in your life, cease striving. Know that He is in you. He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. That means He will be exalted in your life too. And if you don't have Jesus in you, if you aren't following Him, if you don't have the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life and you feel that disconnect, that you're not connected with God, cease 
striving. You won't get it on your own. You can't force Him to come into you. You can't, you can't force Him and cause Him to give you that peace. The only way we can get it is to stop and to rest in Him. And what He has already done by sending Jesus to the cross, by raising Him from the dead, then we stop and we say, Lord, I rest in You. I think it's amazing that that word cease can actually mean to relax, you know, to lay back. But truly, that's what he's calling us to do. Relax in me. Rest in me. Trust that I am going to take care of it. That's what he calls us to do. Let's say this one more time before we close. Maybe now that we've looked really closely at this verse, maybe it'll say some more things to us than it did at the very beginning. Say this with me again. Psalm 46.10 Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we struggle to cease. It is difficult, Lord, but we pray that you would help us to cease striving, that we would be still, that we would rest in you in the work that you have done through Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to know that you are God, not just in our minds. We would acknowledge your sovereignty in all areas of our lives, that we would rest in you and trust you, that we would wait to see how are you going to exalt yourself in our lives and through our lives. It may be through the struggles that we face and the, the trials that we endure. It may be through blessing us. But Lord, how will you be exalted? Help us to look, to see, to be anxious to know, and in the time that we have, to wait in you. Lord, we pray for anyone here today who does not know Jesus, who hasn't placed their faith in him and desire to repent from their sins and to walk according to Jesus' life. Lord, we pray that they would cease striving, that they would cease trying to figure out how to be good on their own, that they would cease going their own direction, their own ways, that they would recognize that they've gone astray, that they would hear that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, that they might be forgiven, if only they would believe, they would not perish but have eternal life. Lord, we pray that they would cease and that they would know that you are God, that they would know that you have sent your Son, that they would believe and trust in him. We pray, Father, that you would be exalted in the lives that you save. In Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.